You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, welcome to another week, another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us. Tim is barely here, everybody. He's hanging on by a thread. He's got a little bit of the flu. He's been under the weather. He went and did his big bachelor party in Boston, and it's finally catching up with him. He looks like garbage. He's sweating, I think, right now. You look you look like you're laboring, Tim. You, you you know, usually you're polished, freshly showered, hair quaffed, looking looking fly for a white guy. Now you're looking like you've seen some things. How are you doing? And do you need anything? That's the bigger question. Ironically, I haven't seen anything because I haven't left my apartment in like five days. Luckily, it was a good time for a long weekend. But yeah, I'm down with the sickness somehow. I think I have the flu and... Have not been doing much in the last four or five days, which has been nice. I'm all caught up on my TV shows. I read a lot of reading. I watched a lot of movies. It was a nice, relaxing weekend. What are we, what are we reading these days, Tim? What do you what do you got going on the old bookshelf? Um, I am reading. I just started this a new Agatha Christie book. It's supposed to be really good. Uh, called Five Five lambs or something like that five little pigs because i read this book called the silent patient i bet a lot of our readers have read it. it's like a new york times bestseller crazy crazy read it's like a really if you like thrillers and mysteries i read it in like three sittings it was it was just like probably two hours of reading um that was really good and that book got recommended to other mysteries and so i checked out now because the christie one and i haven't started it yet i'm doing a lot i've read like 40 books this year already that's crazy we could not be more different in what we read. It, it's so funny. I not our fiction or nonfiction is what I read. You read fiction, uh, both. But yeah, I like fiction more. I, I read a lot of history books too. Yeah. See, I'm reading right now. It's a book called No Apologies: Why Civilization Depends on the Strength of Men by Anthony Esselin. <laughs> He's like some writer it's it's yeah it's just breaks very down. on brand for you. it is right i know people probably it's like oh you're a douche whatever but it's it's a good book i i think it's it's a good read so if, if you want to get it no apologies it's good I, i'm about halfway through this breaks down why it's okay to be a man in today's society why everybody it's okay it's okay to be a guy it's okay to like you know building things it's okay i don't know Read a book. It's nice. What TV shows did you wrap up, Tim? I'm all caught up on the Game of Thrones show. Um, what else? I watched. What do you, what do you uh, think of that? I, I'm going to cut you off. What do you think of that? Because it, it got a lot of bad reviews. Because I've been watching it too. Because we have an Amazon Prime account. That's Lord of the Rings. Oh, I'm uh, never mind then. I don't watch it. That's what I'm watching. What's the Game of Thrones you're speaking of? House of the Dragon. It's the new spinoff show for Game of Thrones. But no, I haven't I watched. Don't watch it. You don't like Lord of the Rings? I enjoy the it. I think it's good. 
I haven't watched that yet. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Everybody I love Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Everybody's giving it a bad rap because it you, they couldn't follow Tolkien's storyline because uh, whoever owns Tolkien wouldn't let them use the storyline. So it's all brand new. I don't know. I think it's good. All right, it's interesting. Hey, you want to hear a crazy story? <clears throat> no, um, let's get into the show. <laughs> no, it's unrelated to, to TV shows, but I know you are uh, you like playing cards, you like gambling, all that. My cousin texted me over the weekend. He's 22, I think, just graduated college. He went to this new casino in Boston called Encore. It's only like three or four years old. And he was just like, he doesn't really, he's an engineer like you. He just finished, I graduated from Wentworth School of Engineering in Boston. And he just like, he's a math guy, he's a numbers guy, but not really much of a card player. And he went to the poker table um, and he, I think black, not blackjack, what's the other one? He just, he put money down on like a side bet to get a royal flush and it hit. And five dollar bet won him seventeen thousand dollars. No way. One bet. Yeah. Really? And so he didn't even know what had happened at first. And so he said, I asked him, like, did the casino give you a hard time? And he said, No, but they did have to like review the tapes and everything to watch him for a little bit before they cashed him out. And obviously he had it was all clean and he was good, so he got the money. But yeah, pretty cool. And now seventeen thousand dollars in one swoop fellow and you're twenty two years old, might as well be like a million bucks. Like that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone being twenty two years old. That's cool. Nice. <laughs> good for was him. he at the bachelor party when you were in Boston? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Oh man, he's having himself a month. Good for him. I like gambling. I really do. I was just talking to my wife last night. We went to an event at the casino, but we didn't gamble. And I jokingly said to her on the way in, I'm like, if we get separated, meet me at the blackjack table. But we <laughs> we didn't get separated because I I love gambling. I honestly do. I ugh. we would go to Vegas. I'm sure I've told the story a million times. With the what after the season, the guys would go to Vegas and we just tear it up. It's it was so incredibly fun. I got some stories, not for this show. That's for the other. That's for our other show. We'll, we'll tell those ones. But after right, dark, Tim. yeah, after after dark, the stories come out. But all right, Tim, it's starting tonight. The NHL is begin. The season is a new preseason is over. The puck drops tonight. Or wait, did it? Because apparently, unbeknownst to me, there's already been regular season games being played. And this is an issue with the NHL that I know you have, Tim. This is a bee in your bonnet. You don't like this. What's going on? What? Why were there two games played and no one knew about it? If, if, if games happen in Czech Republic and no one hears about it, did they actually happen, Tim? Yeah, this is... I'm coming in hot about this because it's like... You and I are as well as much in tune with stuff around the league with just about anyone. Like, we keep up with things. We check in daily. Like, I kind of have a good sense of what's happening around the league. And I didn't really know about this until basically it was happening. And Thomas Hurdle scoring a goal in his own town. Like, cool moment. And I was like, wait, is that is that a real game or is that preseason? And I couldn't even tell as I was, like, watching the highlights. It's just really strange. Like, the timing of it. The fact that the NHL didn't do a very good job marketing it, at least in the U.S. and Canada, I'm sure it was promoted pretty heavily over in the Czech Republic. And the fact that they're playing regular season games while preseason games and roster cuts and all these other things are still being finalized for the other 20, 30, whatever teams. It's just, 
it doesn't make any sense to me. The NHL just still has not figured it out, and it's really frustrating. And now uh, it's just confusing. I don't get like why can't they get out of their own way with this sort of thing? Hey, I don't know. And I go back and forth on this issue because I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to grow the game overseas. They're trying to make it happen. And just, they call it the global series. We're going to go to different cities. I know they've gone to Sweden. They've gone to Finland. They've gone to Czech Republic now. And they try to just hit a different geographical reason, uh, region, excuse me, every season. But I don't know why they do it at the beginning of the season. Do this during the year. The players get a week-long break now. Make kind of dovetail it up to that so you go and you play overseas mid-season then you come back and you give them an extra break when you come back it puts these two teams at a disadvantage in my eyes because they have to have their rosters set a week before the other teams they have to bring everything over there make all the decisions over there and imagine going overseas and getting cut and having to stay with the team and like ah this stinks i'm watching a regular like i wish i was out there but it just it seems weird and then, like you said, there was no publicity behind it at all. I, I, I did the same thing you did when I we, we did a fantasy draft with some fans and some friends. And I, I was filling up my roster and the guy I'm playing had a guy playing. I'm like, whoa, what? There's games being played. And I had to go and check. I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, Nashville and San Jose do, in fact, play two games back to back before the regular season start. Well in advance, like these games weren't played yesterday. They were played last week, Tim. So it, it's it's a strange situation. I don't think it grows the game at all. There there was no hype. I'm not from Czech Republic. I don't think it went over well. There was some issues geopolitically. Dominic Hasek ripped Gary Bettman, a new one. Like, absolutely ripped him. He said, I don't want the NHL back here. Dominic Hasek, he's he's the head of Czech Republic hockey now. He's the, the the big wig, I guess. And he just said, basically, we don't want the NHL back until Gary Bettman is fired and they apologize because they didn't want any teams there that had Russian players on their team. They drew a hard line. And the NHL basically said, you know what? No, we're coming. The Russians are coming on these teams and we're going to play two games there. And if you don't include those players, we're just going to cancel the whole thing. And there was a lot of money tied up at it probably with the events and tickets and this and that. And I don't know what else, but Czech Republic cave, they played the games, the NHL left and all of a sudden they pop their chest up and they go, Oh, we're not going to do this again. I know. What do you think of it? I have my opinion. I think it's the Czech Republic should just, just be quiet. You know what I mean? I, I get they're upset about the Russia thing. Everybody's upset about the whole Russia situation. Obviously, a bad situation overall. You, everybody has their own opinion on it. Do you think these players on these teams have any impact on what Vladimir Putin's doing? Do you think they that they that they call Vladdy every week and say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, let's let's keep pushing this. Let's go. Let's let's bomb Kiev today." No, they're just nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year old kids playing hockey, living out their dream, and now you're going to penalize them before something for something that's happening in Ukraine and Russia that they have no impact on whatsoever. I just think it's signaling and it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. It's not going to move the needle either way. You're just virtue signaling Czech Republic. Oh, we're drawing a stance on Russia. It's stupid. That's my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, it's complicated because at some point it's like, okay, the Russian players, like you said, they have no, they have no say in what's happening. You can't really punish the Russian people and people with no skin in the game for something that's happening on a much larger scale. So I get that. And I also get the NHL not wanting like 
someone like Hasek or there are different leagues or different hockey communities dictating what they can and can't do. So I get that out of principle. You let the players play. But at the same time, it's like this is their country and this is their geopolitical neighborhood and people are dying. And so like it's not it's so much bigger than hockey. So I get I get why Hasek's upset, but I also get why the NHL didn't do it. So. I don't know. I'll see if any actual repercussions come from this, or if this is just one of those, it's a big, bold statement from Hasek, and it'll get resolved behind closed doors. He should have did it before the fact. Don't let him come. It's like it's like when the referee comes in between two players and one guy all of a sudden gets tough. But when the ref wasn't there, he wasn't tough. And then he starts barking when the ref starts, like, oh, I'm going to kill you now. It's like, well, you weren't saying that when the ref wasn't there. But now all of a sudden, the NHL's left, and you're like, oh, never again. It's like, the NHL doesn't want to go back again, Czech Republic. They had their two games. That's it. They checked that box. They're gone. Now all of a sudden, you're, 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 you're putting the hard line, oh, we're never going to allow them back again. Good. Okay, fine. You're, you guys are so great, Dominic Asik. Best goalie of all time, by the way. On the Mount Rushmore of my goaltenders. Guess what is he doing? Just like, if, if you want to play hardball, do it before now, anyways, Nashville won both games, if anybody cares. San Jose looked not bad, but they're the San Jose Sharks. They're going to be a bad team this year. Do you take anything out of these two games? Nashville comes out 2-0. and San Jose 0-2, looking at their wounds, going back to back to San Jose. Get, get a little bit of a break. I don't know. Anything, anything to take from the Czech Republic game, Tim? <laughs> no, no. I mean, there's two first two games of the season. You can't put too much weight into it. And also, like, the players don't know who they are yet. You just don't know. And so, especially the whole thing being overseas, it's distracting. Your energy level's up. Hurdle scoring, obviously, is pretty cool. But, no, it's too bad. It's too bad that people didn't really know about this. I probably would have watched it. I didn't have my fantasy roster set. I don't think I had players in either of those two teams, but the guy I'm playing against did. And so, that's annoying. So, Whatever. Ideally, as a fan, where would you want to see if, if they do this every year? If this is a thing that, and it seems like they are, I, I know they've done it in the different countries. Where would be the one geographical location that you would think would be neat? It's like, okay, well, and they promote it, they get behind it, they try to make it a big event. What would be the location that you would think would be, you know, people would want to watch, Tim? Uh, I mean, like Iceland would be cool with the cool backdrop and the mountains and everything, but there's no people there. Like no one would, they wouldn't fill out a stadium or anything. So I don't know. Paris, like those European countries in the winter. Okay. But you can't say that because there is an NHL team that only has a 5,000 seat arena. So you can play anywhere. You <laughs> can play true. anywhere now and you can have an NHL style arena. So they I- don't even have it. They're renting it. They're sharing it. Oh, what a disaster, Arizona Coyotes. All right, anything else on the on the opening puck drop you want to touch on before we move on there, Timbo? Well, just the, the actual NHL opening days today, officially, which is very exciting. It is exciting. We're, we're getting to the real meat of the schedule. It's so important. I don't think people realize, and players have a tendency to kind of gloss over the first two, three weeks of the season, ease into it. It is so important for teams to get off to a good start. This is why... I mentioned Nashville and San Jose. It's a big deal at San Jose's zero and two already. Like that is a big deal. They they ha- they have dug themselves a little bit of a hole. If they want to be a competitive team this year, it's hard. Now they have to win two, three, four in a row to be a competitive team. So I don't know. Nashville's already spotted themselves four points. That's it's a big deal. If you start the season, Toronto plays four games and six nights to start the season. If they go one and three, that's a big hole. 
And most people don't think about it. They're like, oh, we'll, we'll get into it in the middle of the season. We'll, we'll get those games back. I played on the Minnesota Wild my first year. I got called up midseason. We were in a playoff battle. We were, we were jockeying positions. We were seventh. We were eighth. We were ninth. We were tenth. It was just every night you were score watching. The end of the season, we missed out by one point. I wasn't playing there the first half of the season. Not that I would have made a difference, but you could tell the guys at the end of the season, the Owen Nolans, the Miku Koivus, all these older guys are like, gosh, you know, we, how many games did we let slip the first month of the season where we, where we weren't really giving it our all like we were the last game of the season where we were diving in front of pucks? So it, it's so crucial to, to get off to a good start, to give yourself that cushion, to give yourself maybe if I, if I do slide in December, I gave myself that cushion in October where we really took advantage of teams who were just kind of easing into it a little bit. So, man, the first couple of weeks of the season, they always say in, the, in hockey, the first five minutes of the period are, are very important. The last three minutes of the period are very important. You don't want to get scored on early. You don't want to get scored on late. That goes for the season, too. You don't want to have a losing streak when you start the season. You don't want to have a losing streak when you end the season going into the playoffs. So the first three weeks are crucial, 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 crucial to, to your success. We should do a little dig into the stats. Three weeks into the season, check the playoff teams and see who's in the playoffs for the last uh, when the season ends. Because I bet you, gosh, eighty percent are still going to be there. You know, very important, very important tip. How much would you like? You know, if a team that's unexpected like Buffalo starts off four now, how much weight do you put into that versus some team, maybe Washington starts 0-4, do you think they're done? Or Buffalo's, is the only team, Buffalo's the only team that bucks that trend because every year they seem to go like 9-1, and 9-2, and two, <laughs> and then they just implode. So they're, yeah. they are the outlier. They're not the norm. But you, there's always the odd team that just has a bad, torta or bad start or has a flying start, and you, and you know they'll come down to earth. But in majority, I think the good teams will be the good teams throughout the season. So uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll have to come back to this in three weeks and and see who's there, and we'll make a prediction who's gonna you know jump up, who's gonna fall back, who's had an amazing start. Because you, I don't think you can, I don't think you can translate preseason strength. Because right now you can say, well, Montreal didn't even have a win in the preseason; they were zero six and two. Or that means they're gonna have a junky season. You, you you don't win the Stanley Cup in the preseason, so I, I don't think those stats matter. But I think three weeks into the season is a good gauge on who's going to make the playoffs. It, it does. It is a good litmus test, Tim. When you when you come to the end of the year. All right, moving on, Tim. What are we talking about next? Well, speaking of Buffalo, did you see they announced their captains? <laughs> Why are these GMs making terrible decisions? All right, I'll, well, I don't want to influence your take on it. Maybe I already did. I like to do this on the show of everybody. I want to get Tim's take on things first. Cause I feel like I'm very influential and I don't want to taint him. What did you think of it? Cause who, who, first of all, who did they give the C to? Who did they give the ACE to let everybody know? Yeah. They gave the C to Kyle Ocposo and they gave the A's to Rasmus Dahlin and Zemgus Gergensens, which I think Gergensens is probably the longest tenured saber at this point. Right. Yeah, he was there when you were there. Yeah. Um, uh, so he's, he was like twenty, probably then ten years, and then Akposo was probably the the veteran leader. He's a fourth line player at this point in time, but he was a pretty elite goal scorer. He's been hampered by injuries. He was, I think, underrated in his prime. Good player, well liked, good in the room. All these things that people say about him. And obviously, I don't know if there was a team discussion or a vote or who picked him, but 
I don't really have a problem with this. It just does seem weird that they wouldn't give... They've got a lot of young, exciting energy up front in those players that is not being represented. You know, like, I like the Darlene pick, but why Gergensen's with the A? When you could give it to a Tuck or someone like that who's going to lead your offense, uh, Tage Thompson, that sort of thing. We When we we debated about this, I don't think either of us picked Ocpozo, did we? Well, here's what's happening. And... Initially, I was my reaction was this. This stinks. The more I thought about it, the more I ingested it, ruminated on it. I don't mind this. Here's why: Kyle Poso is probably the voice in that locker room at this point. He's 34. He's been on Buffalo for a long time. The reason I like this: his contract's up after this year. Kyle Poso will not be the captain. 23-24 for the Buffalo Sabres. This is a one-year captaincy. The same goes for Zemgus Gergensen. Gergi's a great guy. He's a heart, heart and soul, meat and potatoes, lunchbox type of player. He's going to finish checks. He's going to hold people accountable. He does everything right in the locker room. He does everything right in the weight room. The guy is the type of guy you want to follow into battle. He is also due to be a UFA next year. He will not be back for the Buffalo Sabres. Rasmus Dahlin, number one overall pick a few years back. This is the guy you want to build your team around. Give him the A. I don't mind that. I don't know how he's in the locker room. Seems like he's probably a quiet voice. Most Swedes are. I don't want to you know, throw a blanket statement out there, but from my time in the NHL, they're not the most vocal in the locker rooms. Just a, just a blanket statement. This sets the stage for my prediction. Cage Thompson will be the captain of the Buffalo Sabres in 2023-2024. He's coming into his own. He really broke out last season. He's on the last year of his entry-level contract. Next year, he starts his big extension, making seven-plus million dollars. This is the guy that the Sabres are building their team around. I know they have Owen Power. I know they have Rasmus Dahlin. I know they have a lot of young, good players. Cage Thompson is the Buffalo Sabres. He is the guy who will be on the billboards. He will be the face of the franchise. You mark my word. Next year, this time, Tim, they will be slapping a C on Tage Thompson. No doubt about it in my mind. This is a this is a good thing. Tage Thompson still gets to grow a little bit. The kid's only 24 years old. Maybe get a little more comfortable in the locker room. Give Kyle Poso the the due that he's deserved. He's been there a long time. Give him the C, and then it's Tage's team next year, baby. And the Buffalo Sabers will be a, they they won't be a force next year, but they'll be a good team. They're going to get out from Kyle Poso six million bucks, Gergenston two million bucks. They'll have some money to spend. They already have a ton of money to spend. I think they have eighteen to twenty million dollars in cap space that they have to spend. Buffalo will be a, a team to watch next year. This year, you know. They're in the running. They're in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Next year, Tage Thompson with the C, Connor Bedard up front. They're going to be a very dangerous team, the Buffalo Sabres. I like it. I like it. I don't disagree, but if that's the case, then why isn't he getting an A this year? If if you're going to give him the C next year, why why wouldn't it be him over Darlene getting that letter? Well, I, I just think you have to have an A on the back end. I like the balance. I like either a C 
an A on the back end and an A up front, or you need to have balance. You can't have all your letters up front. And when you look at the defense, yeah, you have Darlene, you have Labushkin, you have Yokoharu, you have you have power. There's not one defenseman who is just a veteran where you look at and you're like, oh, that guy's he handles that D room. It's it's Rosmus Darlene. It has to be him. So you give him the the A. That's a no-brainer. And why don't you give it to Tage Thompson an A? Like I said, Gergensen is a, like he is the guy. He's the meat and potatoes lunchbox guy, lunchbox guy who you want to mold yourself after. And I think it's a good it's a good decision by uh, what's what's the GM's name there, Kevin Adams. It's like okay, you want the A, you want the C, do good, do what Gergi does. Akposo is a hard worker too. Do what they do, learn from them, and then you can take over the team next year. You think Gergensen's to come on the show? Yeah, why do you want to get him on the show? Yeah, I would love what to. Would, what would you ask Zemgus Gergensen? Who cares what Gergi has to say? <sighs> well, think about it. He's been there since through all of this stuff over the last decade in Buffalo. I'd love to get his take on things. I don't know how much he would share on it, but it, it, it's a good perspective. The Eichel stuff and Power and Darlene and all the coaches and all the players who have come through. A, a John Scott story or two. He's Those played 545 good. games. What do you think his record is? He's played in <laughs> Buffalo the start of his career, 2013-2014. He's played on average 70-some games a year. What is his record? He's played 545 games. Do you think he's got 200 wins? I was going to guess 150 in 150. wins. So that puts him at like 400, 150 and 400. What Do you have it in front of you? No, I don't. I, I, I'm uh, going to have to go look at it and check the Sabres records from 2013 to 2021-22. It can't be good. Imagine his whole career, all he's known is just failure. Let's get him on the show. Let's really dig into that. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's it like to just be the definition of just failure? Oh, that would be a good interview. Because even, do you remember when we had... um. Rasmus Ristolainen, how dejected he was when we talked to him. He was so sad. We had him on twice. And every time he's just like, I don't want to be in Buffalo. You could read between the lines. He's He wasn't that good of a liar. He's like, I just, whatever they want to do, you know, I, it's it's tough. Oh, poor Buffalo. It is, it is funny seeing like the optimism of young players on bad teams where we had like Dylan Cousins and Mario Ferraro on the Sharks where like the optimism, how excited they are. They're going to prove some people wrong versus when you have a guy like Andrew Ladd who has been in the league for 15 years. And, like he knows exactly what he's getting into. This is before he went to Arizona and he had just gotten there and he's like, he had no, he knew exactly what was going to happen last year compared to some of the other younger guys. You know, it's like, Andrew, are you excited for the season? He's like, oh, okay. How do I answer? How do I answer this? <laughs> yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's warm down here. It's great. Looking forward to not packing a winter jacket. That'll be nice. But yeah, I'll try to get Gergi on. But I, what do you ask a guy? He's twenty eight, first round draft pick. Done nothing. Never like not even sniff the playoffs. It's got to. Okay, be tough. so he, you think he's gonna sign with like Tampa next year or someone like that? I don't think he has the luxury of picking his spot. That's this is the. This is the terrible thing about being drafted to a bad team. Other teams, other GMs, when they scour the free agent market, they want winners. There's that that, that tangible aspect of a player that he's a winner. He's won a Stanley Cup. He knows how to win. Let's go and get him first. A poor guy like Zembis Gergensen hits the free agency market next year for the first time. He doesn't have that it factor. 
No one's going to be knocking on his door. Oh, Zemgus, we need you. We need you to teach our guys how to win. It's like all he's done is lose for eight years. So it's tough. It really is tough. That's why when I when I first hit free agency, and I know that sounds stupid because I was an undrafted free agent, but after my first contract in Minnesota, I had the option of going to Edmonton or going to Chicago. And I was going to make more money in Edmonton, a lot more money, a couple hundred thousand dollars more. I was just ready to sign the dotted line. I talked to Craig McTavage. I talked to Kevin Lowe. I talked to all the people in Edmonton. They had sold me on the direction of the team. Like, oh, we have these young guys. We have these first rounders. This team is headed in the right direction. Give us three or four years and we're going to be competitive. And then they offered me a three-year deal. It's like, we're going to be good in four years, but here, we'll give you a three-year deal. All that aside, I was excited. Going to go home, Edmonton. I was born there. Ready to sign on the dotted line. Literally, they had the contract sent to my agent. As he was sending me the contract for me to sign, Chicago called my agent. They had just won the Stanley Cup. They lost Ben Eager. They lost Dustin Bufflin. They lost Brian Campbell. They lost Adam Burrish. The the mass exodus. Everybody knows about it. The salary cap turnover. They wanted me to come in and take Dustin Bufflin's spot. I know that's a far-fetched thing, but that's that that was a selling point. They're like, we don't know where you're going to fit in. Defense forward, we need a physical presence. We lost Eager. We lost Bufflin. We feel like you can fill that role. They offered me like $150,000 less than Edmonton did with one year less term. It was only two years. I think it was 1.6. I think I got eight hundred grand each year. Edmonton was offering me close to a million. I was like, gosh, what do I do? I talked to my wife, talked to my agent. And he see, I'll never forget. He said, after this two years... You will be on a successful team, potentially win a Stanley Cup. Other GMs will value that. They will want a winner. If you go to Edmonton and lose and you're a bottom seller-dwelling team, no one's going to want a tough guy who plays for the Edmonton Oilers who doesn't snip the playoffs when they you know, go to sign somebody. They're going to want someone who's been around a champion. I'm like, all right, let's sign Chicago. I made $300,000 less. Didn't really work out because we didn't win anything, but who knows? If I would have went to Edmonton, maybe – things would have turned out differently, but winning does factor into things. So Zemgus Gergensen kind of wrapping this whole thing up. He will not have as many options as a Barclay Goodrell. And they're a very similar type player. Gergie is probably more physical, faster. Goodrell hit the jackpot, got picked up by Tampa Bay, won a couple Stanley Cups. Now look at him. He's making a ton of money with the New York Rangers. Then they're very similar type players. Very similar. So, yeah, long-winded answer, Tim, there, but it's just winning matters. So for those people who get drafted by a dumpy team when you're a mid-round first-rounder, eighth, ninth pick, and you go to a team and you're just stuck in this losing atmosphere, it's like, ah, it, it, your career just all of a sudden is gone in the blink of an eye, and then you go to get a new contract. It's like, would you rather have a Zemgus Gergensen, who's a good player, you know, he'll get you 25, 30 points physical, never won anything. Or would you rather have a guy like that Austin Kubel who won a Stanley Cup with the Colorado Avalanche has that winning factor. He, he has those intangibles that you can't really you can't really put your finger on, but the guy knows how to win. GMs like that stuff. They, they, they feel like when you get a guy in the locker room who has won a Stanley Cup, other players can touch him and then they will absorb whatever that it factor is. It's just... It, it's it's dumb when you think about it, but it does. People do want a winner in their locker room for whatever reason, Tim. 
I think it would be cool to have him on, especially just like. <laughs> well, think about how how tough those two years were for you. He's been pretty outspoken about it, and he's been there for a decade. So I would love to love to hear what he has to say about some of this stuff, and then even just the young kids now, the Darlene and Power and these cousins and what they're building. I'd love to get his take on that. Yeah, I agree. He he has seen some things. His first year, and I don't want to keep dwelling on this, but his first year, I think, was my first year in Buffalo. In those two years, I went through three or four presidents. I think we had three or four GMs. I think we had five coaches in two years. It was just a blank show of an organization for two years. Teddy Terry Pagula came in. He just yard sale fired everybody. The GMs, I can't remember who the GM was. We had Lindy Ruff. He fired everybody, brought in. like Ted Nolan was there. Ron Rolson was there. We had another coach. It was just, it was so insane. Pat LaFontaine was there for like a week as team president. It was so dysfunctional. And nobody knew as a player what was happening on any given week. It was, it was just, it was not a good situation. Sheila, let's get him on. That'd be good. When I'm upset, Tim, you know what? I, I feel like I need to order DoorDash and just grab some beers right now because I'm just reliving my nightmare of a season in Buffalo, and it, which was sad because I I loved Buffalo. The players there were great. I, I loved the players, but just the whole situation was really bad. So I'm going to order some DoorDash. You should do it too, especially in Buffalo. Get you some wings from Anchor. Oh, the best wings. Get beef on whack by the airport. So incredibly good. Use DoorDash. Use promo code GlovesDD US if you're in Buffalo. Use promo code GlovesDD if you're in Canada. Get yourself 25% off. Get yourself free delivery. DoorDash will go to literally any restaurant that you want, get you your food, and bring it to you however you want it, and they will do it fast. When you use our promo code, you get some money off. It's a win-win situation. Tim probably used DoorDash a ton in the last week because he's just been on knocking on death's door of all the partying he did at the bachelor party he used the promo code you, you think i'm too. cooking absolutely not he doesn't cook when he's he's cooking up his doordash app so you should too use promo code gloves dd if you're in canada gloves dd us if you're in the us of a everybody it's a good company doordash all right tim the season's starting let's do some over under i love myself some gambling you love yourself some gambling we got some fun over-under picks this season. Let's get into it. What are we doing today? Yeah, so let's just do some kind of uh, over-unders here. A little bit of rapid fire. First one, Alex Ovechkin, over-under 42 goals scored this season. Oh, my gosh. Under. It has to be under. I would even say under 35. How How long can this guy keep going? Okay, he had 50 goals last year. So <laughs> I know. And I predicted him last year to get 30. He can't continue to produce at this place. He he honestly can't. I, I think if it's the numbers 42, it's under. You have to go under. Are you going over? Mm, yeah. Yeah. You're going over 42. I think he's probably still scores mid 40s. Yeah. All right, I'm going under. I feel like the bubble has to pop. The whole team as a whole is getting older. It's them in Pittsburgh. There has to be a tipping point. When father time catches up with you, I know he's a good player. He's a gifted goal scorer. I do think he hits 30, which is a big number. 42. 42 How gracious of you. 42, Tim, is a lot. 
But fifty I, last year. He had fifty. He was very fortunate the first month and a half of the season. Everything was going in. Everything he touched found the twine. He slowed at the end of the season, noticeably slowed down. There were weeks he didn't score. I don't think he has a hot of a start as he did last year. I don't think the Washington Capitals as a whole will have a good start like they did last year. They really cruised out to the first two months. They were the hottest team in the NHL, and they coasted the rest of the way into the playoffs. They were running on fumes by the time they hit playoffs. So I think it carries over. I, I don't think he has has a great start. I think he has a good start. I think he hits 35 this year. I'll give him 35, not 42. That's too much. That's too much. Okay. Uh, next one. Let's take him with the goal scorers. Matthews over under 59 goals. Again, that's such a big – what do you say? You go first. Uh, I'm going to say over, honestly. I, he's just so good. He's so good. And last year, what do you have? He had 60 even in 73 games. So if he stays healthy, could he be a 70-goal scorer? Is that crazy to say? Because I think it's possible. If he played a full 82-game season last year, he would have had seven. I I believe that. And he to boot, he started this season, he wasn't feeling 100% because of his wrist. Uh, he was rehabbing from his wrist surgery. I think he gets 59. I think he hits 61, 62 this year. The guy's a stud. He's an absolute bona fide goal scorer. I think he duplicates neck last year, and he adds a couple more. I think Austin Matthews hits 30, 63, you think is a good number for him? I'm going over. Well over. What was the number, 58, 59? 59, he's yeah. He's over that. I think Ovi's under 42, and they go Vetchkin is or uh, Matthews is over 59. He is he is just has he hit his prime? That's the question. Austin Matthews, what do you think? It, yeah. was, was the tip of the iceberg 60? You don't think he's getting more than that? Oh, his peak? I, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say no. Years old. He's 25. I'm going to say old. no. He hasn't hit his peak yet. I don't think so either. I think he has the line mates. I think they have the system. The power play is just unstoppable at points. Now, I, I, I think he's he could even get 70. Like He will lead the league again. Oh, my bold prediction, Philippe Forsberg. Austin, when, when you're playing with Mitch Marner, like it, yeah, yeah. Marner's a good player. He's a very good player. But, yeah, yes, over, 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 over. Okay. Lock it in. All right, next one. This is my my guy, Jack Hughes. I'm gonna just stick. I'm gonna keep it relatively low. 82 points, point per game this season. Over under. Under. Ah, oh, John, come on. Are I, you- I said it. He. The reason I go under. He will get injured. He will get hurt, and that will affect his point total, like it has throughout his whole career. The kid's never played a full season. If he played 82 games. I'm giving him 85 to 100 points. He will play 58 games, and he'll get 65, 70 points. I don't so you think, think he plays 82 games. He will score more points than games played? I do think he'll get over a point yeah. per game pace. He's a great player. I, I'm no. not slighting his talent. What I'm slighting is his ability to stay healthy. He has not shown... And he can consistently stay on the ice. He's a small body. He's 5'10", 150 pounds. He has to show me that he can play a full season. He hasn't done that yet. Until he can do that, Tim, I, I'm not going to give it to him. I'm going under. I don't think he gets there. What's next? 
All right, next, let's look at Kale McCarr. Last year, he had 86 points, so let's use that number, higher or lower, 86 this year. Over. There's a no-brainer, it's over. They're going to rely on him a little bit more this year. I think he's he's obviously confident. Obviously confident. The question should be 100 points. Does he hit 100 points this year? It's a race between him and Roman Yossi. Can either of these guys get that elusive 100-point mark that oh so many defensemen want, but oh so few defensemen have ever hit. I go well over 86. Does he hit the 100, the century mark for a defenseman? Do you think he hits that? I think that should be the number. Uh, no, I don't. I do think he'll, he'll score at least 86, though. I would say maybe that's probably a good number, high 80, 88, 87, something like that, but not 100. I just don't think. He, oh, man, he's so good, though. I'm not going to, not, you're not going to win a lot of money betting against Kale McCarr, that's for sure. You don't think he gets a hundred ever in his career? <clears throat> oh, ever? Uh, yeah, I'll say yes. I'll say yes. I will. Yeah, I do. What's the highest? Here's a trivia question. What's the highest point total in a season by a defenseman ever? And who was it? Uh, was it Bobby Orr? It was number four. How many did he get? I'm gonna say to one thirty. One thirty-nine. Isn't that insane? Nice. That's insane. In an era when goals were at, what's the opposite of premium? They, they were hard to come by. Was it a premium? Would that be the word? Goals were at a premium? Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that would be the word. It's. It, I wish I would have been able to watch him live. It, it, when you look at the points for all-time defensemen, Bobby Orr in the top 10 points total ever has one, two, three, four, five of them. Five. The other five are Paul Coffey. So those two guys really did set the standard for defense when scoring goals. But, man, if his if his knees, if he ever – modern technology, if he were to get, you know, a knee reconstruction, we would not be talking about how good Cam McCarr could be. It would just be the – there would be no Wayne Gretzky conversation who's the best player of all time. It would be Bobby Orr. He would be the guy. He would be the, the guy. He was doing things that he shouldn't have been able to do when he was 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, then he gets his knee surgery and he's done. <sighs> what, a, what a tragedy. What a tragedy. He was such a good player. But uh, all right, what were we talking about? Kale McCarr, 86 points. Over. 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 Well, let's do it at 100 points. 100. Under. Under. I'm, going, I'm going over 100. I think he does it. I think they will – they will work their power play to, to revolve around him. He's going to be so confident, just coming off of Norris, just coming off of Conn Smythe, just coming off a of Stanley Cup ring. The guy's just got the world by by the string. There's nothing he can't do. Kale McCarr, 100-plus points. And here's, here's an even bigger question. If he gets 100 points, does he get the MVP, the Norris Trophy, at the end of the season? You have to, right? Yeah, yes. Yes, he's a marketable player too. The league, the league will will do that. Does he get it if Austin Matthews hits seventy goals though? Uh, this is what we ran into last year. We did. With, I'm gonna. Uh, I'm gonna say yes, one? Kale McCarr. I'm gonna say uh, Kale McCarr. Okay, I agree. All right, moving on. Connor McDavid. Last year he had 123 points. Down year for him. Down year. Up year for him. He, it was a good year. Over or under Tim, one hundred twenty three points. Does he does he have a better year than last year? A worse year than last year? 
What are his point totals? He see he has a full season now with Evander Kane. They got familiar in the playoffs. Looked pretty good. Over under Tim, give it to me. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the over. Um, and it was, I mean, it was his highest point total in a single season, but it was also his lowest, not lowest, but one of the lower point per game. Just given the year before, he had 105 and 56 games, which is just insane. Um, He's very good. I would say... Uh, He's very it, good. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make a social graphic for that. Tim says Connor McDavid is very good. I'm going to say like 140 would be a good number for him. You know? So, yeah. Over, over. All right. Going back to the MVP conversation. Uh, don't do He gets this. 140. Matthews gets 70. McCarr gets 100. Who gets the MVP? Uh, they'll do anything they can to give it to Matthews. Now that I'm thinking about this, if if they can give it to Matthews, they will. All right, all right. They I will. think he gets a whole, over 123. I'll, I'll end. Yeah, offense is just. I, I feel like the NHL has turned into a run and gun league. There, nobody wants to play defense anymore. It is a, how many goals can you put on the board? Let's go. Let's run it up. The poor goalies are just in an era where offense is encouraged. The coaches want to go. It is, it's just, it's that era. It ebbs and flows. It will come back down to earth. Someone will come up with a scheme to slow down Connor McDavid and they'll win a Stanley Cup. And it's a copycat league. So everyone will try to duplicate what that coach is doing. But right now, everybody wants to go, 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 baby. Let's go score some goals. It's fun. All right. This is always a fun one, too. Over, under, before the trade deadline, coaches fired at four. Uh, four is four is a good number. Before the trade deadline, um, I'm gonna say right at four. I'm gonna say You're gonna four. push. You're gonna push. Yeah. yeah, I'll go under. I'm I'm an optimist. I I think I'm, I'm going under. I've changed. There aren't a lot of coaches that are on a hot seat. Sheldon Keefe, he's on the hot seat. Who else do you think? Barry Trotz with the Islanders, he's on a, a kind of a hot seat. Do you, do you fire him? Barry Trotz, the Hall of Famer? <sighs> Who else really is there? There's not many coaches on, on the hot seat in the NHL at this point. But, you, hey, a 10-game losing streak changes everything in, in a big way in the NHL. So we'll see. But I'll go under. Coaches fired with four. All right, let's get to some qu- quick hits, Tim. Let's get out of here. Yeah, well, first of all, big boy Soderblom for Detroit made the team. He is 21 years old. You don't know exactly how tall he is. Wikipedia's got him at 6'8. Red Wings NHL website has him at 6'6, 220. He's a big boy, but he doesn't move like it. He's got some slick hands. Have you seen this kid's highlight reels? Yes. He's he's a great hockey. How does Stevie Eisman find these guys? Like, yeah. he he's a big body who can control the puck, goes in the corners. He hasn't yet, you know, learned his body, but he gets him in the sixth round. How does he finagle an Elmer Soderblom from Gothenburg, Sweden, in the sixth round, 159th overall? Made some pretty good plays in the preseason. I'm excited to see him. He, he's a big boy. Detroit's all of a sudden has a very imposing team. When you look at the sizes, when you look at who's playing forward, and that's not to mention Andrew Kopp. You don't want to mess with him. He's 6'1", 200 200 pounds, he throws his body around. Tyler Bertuzzi, 6'1", 200 pounds. The guy likes to play physical. They are little mini-me's on this Detroit Red Wings team. Michael Rasmussen, 6'6". Elmer Soderblom, 6'6". 
six. Oster Sunkfist, six foot three. You look on the back end, Ben Sherratt, six three, two forty. Then you got friend of the show, Mo Sider at six four, two hundred pounds. Oli Mata, six two. Gustav Lindstrom, six two. Robert Haggy, six two. I, you know me. I love myself some tall players. And I'm not saying Stevie Y and I align in our thinking, but I think we might. Their, their shortest player is 5'11". It's almost six, six foot. I like where the Red Wings are headed. That's my only gauge on talent is height. So in my eyes, they might win the Stanley Cup this year. <laughs> I do like that we were talking about him before the show, and I had him listed as 6'8", because that's what I read, and you're like, there's no way. He's not 6'8". You haven't, you haven't earned that right to be 6'8", right? One of my gifts, you know when you go to the carnival, I I can guess your weight, the, the carnival barkers, they can guess height and weight. I can come usually if I see someone, I can come within one inch and seven pounds of your actual weight. I have a gift of being able to see someone and size them up right away. And I, I do it all the time. I'll run into my friend. Hey, you're looking good. Are you you're down to like a 184? Like actually 180, 186. Oh my God. But that's what I do. That's what I do, Tim. I can just no. boom right on the spot. It's bad when I do it to women. They get offended. <laughs> but I do it to everybody. I'm non-discriminate. I, I size up everybody at any time. You could put me in a room. You could have 100 strangers come up to me. I could guess them within seven pounds and one inch, 95 of them. And I'm confident in that. In my skills, my abilities. I wish that would translate into income coming my way, but it's it's a useless <laughs> it's a useless gift. But height does matter. Soderbloom is not six foot eight. He is six foot six. Everybody always adds a couple inches to their stats just to make them look a little bigger, a little more imposing. The players read the the bios before the game. Oh, Soderbloom, six eight. Better stay away from him. The guy's six six, probably soft as baby butter. Baby butter. And that's is that is that a thing? But I know. He, he'll be a good player. All right. What else we have? Quick hits, Tim. Yeah, you mentioned the Canadians finished the preseason 0-6 and two, and their defense. They they have a lot of young kids make the team. Slavkovsky made the team. Adam, I'm not going to try to pronounce this defenseman, but they have a lot of young kids making the team. But their defense is very suspect. And I was thinking about like how much, how far they've come down after that Stanley Cup run. Their defense, how good it was with Edmondson and and Weber and all these guys, and now it's just. It's hot trash. And they, the offense is good. They've got a good top 12 forward up there. I think Caulfield's going to surprise some people, but this team is not going to be good, John. What do you think? Yeah, I, well, the back end. It's, it's the Achilles heel. It's yeah. the Achilles heel. Yeah, that, it's, it's the Arbor Zikaji. Zik- That's Zik- the one. Yeah. He's, he's a tough son of a, son of a gun. The guy, I like the way he plays. He's a banger. He's a fighter. He doesn't back down. He just ran Ottawa's show in the preseason, made him look embarrassed. Then another rookie, Jordan Harris. It, they will have some growing pains in the back end. I talked about how Montreal could be a cup contender when we had Kirby Doc on the show. Maybe I was just trying to be nice to Kirby. I don't see him being a cup contender. How do you win Stanley Cups, Tim? Down the middle on the back end. Down the middle, I think that they're good. You, you move Kirby up to first line center. You got to have some size. Your first line center. You can't have Nick Suzuki as your one seat. But they got Suzuki, Doc, Dvorak, and Jake Evans. I like their centermen. Their back end, it's not good. It is not good. Is Caden Gould, is he a rookie too? Is Are they dressing like four rookies on the back end to start to start the season? Jonathan Kovekovic, is he a rookie too? I think they all are young rookies. And then in goal, like you mentioned, when you're starting the season with Jake Allen and Samuel Montembeau, 
it, it's it's not good. So th- they will struggle. I think they will score goals. I like their forwards. I'm excited to see what Soklovsky does. He's starting on the third line on the left side there. I, I think that's a good spot for him. Maybe he works his way up into the second line, bumps Sean Monaghan down. It'll, it'll take a few years. I like what Ken Hughes is doing. It's going to take a few years for the Canadians. All right, moving on. Yeah, the last thing here, Mackenzie Weger signed a contact extension with the Flames, 6.25 for, I don't know, six years, seven years, something like that. Does this prove you wrong? And the naysayers, the haters, saying no one wanted to be in Calgary, no one wanted to be in Canada. They've extended Weger, they've extended Huberdeau, they signed Kadri to a term. What's your take on this? No, this doesn't prove me wrong. Huberdeau <laughs> was crying when he left Florida. He did not want to leave Florida. He was but why, but why, why sign an extension then? When you have someone come to your house and say, we will give you $10.5 million to play a year, and you're 29 years old, and they say, we will do that for eight years in a row, you take that deal. Yeah, but he could have gotten that anywhere in the open no, market. No, he, he had already been let go by the Florida Panthers after he was an MVP candidate throughout the whole season. He's a good player. If he hits free agency in his mind, he's going, well, why wouldn't every other team do that? I was the best player on my team, and they did not want me. I go to Calgary, and they offer me $88 million or 80, whatever it was, 80-some million dollars. You take that deal. And the same goes for Mackenzie Weger. This guy's getting $6.25 million for eight years. That's a big chunk of cash for him. He's not the most offensive player in the world. Yes, he got 44 points last year on a team in Florida that set records in goal scoring that has never been touched before. And he only got eight goals and 44 points. You think he's going to have that type of year this year where he's getting 44 points? He's going to revert back to the player he was three years ago when he got 18 points or four years ago when he got 15 points or five years ago when he got eight points. Mackenzie Weger is cashing in. Calgary's offering him six and a quarter million dollars for eight years. He's like, yeah, okay, let, let's do that. If he hits free agency this offseason and he's putting up 25 points, do you think he's going to see that type of money, Tim? Not a chance. Not a chance whatsoever. This doesn't change my idea of Canadian teams and players not wanting to play there. These guys just got a ton of money thrown at them. They got unceremoniously traded from Florida when they didn't want to. They landed in Calgary. The GM said, however much you want, we'll give it to you. What do you, what, what do you guys want? We'll, we'll give it to you. Eight years, sure. Take it all. And they said yes. Doesn't change the fact that Goudreau took less money to leave Calgary. And Matthew Kuchuk, at the end of the day, probably took less money to leave Calgary. He would have signed a boatload in Calgary. He could have wrote his own check. And he left. So I still think what I what, my premise is true. But it's good deals for the players. They're getting overpaid because Calgary needs to pay more money to keep players. That was obvious when they couldn't sign Goudreau. He signed, I just said it. So, no, it doesn't change. I'm right, Tim. I'm always right. Always, <laughs> okay. always, always right. That's okay. It. All right, everybody. Well, we will have some actual hockey to discuss the next time we meet. If Tim's with us, I don't know. Say, say some prayers for Tim. Yeah. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you'll make it to Thursday. I really don't. He I'm really, sure I sound horrible. You... Uh. I don't say this lightly. You are a hero, Tim, for gutting through this podcast. Thank you. And everybody else should say thank you to Tim, too, because the guy's battling through some stuff right now. All right, everybody. 
We'll talk to you on Thursday. Stay well. Watch some hockey. Have a good night. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.